With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Media Matters podcast. I'm back. Who am I? Two podcasts in two days after taking a long, long break, but it is a special. Liverpool have signed a player, and not just any player, a player from the Bundesliga. Now, what makes this podcast so special? The signing might might seem underwhelming to a majority of Liverpool supporters, but this podcast is a special because I am joined by a favourite, the Bundesliga go-to guy, who's going to give me some insight and give you some insight as well on the potential new signing of Arturo Endo. I am delighted to be joined by none other than the man himself, John Harding. Welcome to the show, John. What an intro, Nina. Oh, it's great to be back. I feel like, uh, you know... This is a dream team reunited. <laughs> you know what? Somebody actually, I should, I should warn you as well. I took to Discord and I reached out to the Anfield Index Pro community and I told them I'm speaking to you. And one of, a few of the comments were, it's great to have you two back on a podcast. You know, See, maybe we're missing out. Anani, right? We're missing out. We're back, we're back. Right, John, so Liverpool um, have been quite busy with Bundesliga stuff, you know. Um, that boy's doing really, really well, Dom, big Dom from uh, yes. RP. We that like him fine. very much. Yes. But we want to talk about Liverpool's potential signing of Stuttgart's captain. So, John, I'm going to be honest with you, you know this anyway. We had a little chat before the pod. I know very little about the guy, and I think a majority of people would be in the same boat as me. So, mm. this news broke, and I was a bit underwhelmed. And then we saw your tweet, and mm. then your colleagues' tweets, who yeah. were saying, this is smart business, this is intelligent. Yeah. Why is that I think, the case? I think the headline here is... This is the kind of move that you make when you're playing football manager and you're looking for a midfielder and it's like you can't believe that this guy is going to cost you 15 million because of how decent his stats are. You know, it's like it's the steal. It's the under the radar signing that is not going to make headlines because it's not Moise Caicedo. Because it's, it. it's not. <laughs> sorry. Hey, I'm also losing out here. Yeah, but we're both hurt about that for one. Full, yeah. for, for, for full disclosure, I'm a Brighton fan, so you know <laughs> it hurts me too. Um, I think that's the thing that gets me. It, it's smart because not many people would have looked at a 30 year old midfielder and said, "Oh, this is the guy that we should be signing." 
Mm. And I like that Liverpool have looked at him, even though I understand from your perspective and from other Liverpool fans' perspective that it feels like a bit of an underwhelming signing because of all the other names you've been, in, you know, in in contact with or you know suggested signings this summer. But I actually really like it. He's a really really solid player. I think he could be a very good system player for Liverpool. You don't have to expect him to be Jude Bellingham. Um, but I think he could be a very good component in a bigger unit. You know, I was thinking about what would be the relevant comparison to previous Liverpool signings. I'm not a big fan of comparisons personally because I think every player is their own. Clavan. I'm going to say Clavan. Yeah, I. You know what? I might go a bit earlier and say it could be a bit like Igor Bishkan, but a bit better in the box. <laughs> So we laughing, we laughing, but you know what? Igor Biscan like reached cult status with Liverpool, and there was a period of time where he is actually a key member of that starting eleven. But I think it, the reason I think it's relevant, and there are obvious differences player wise, is that he arrived and it was a bit like, who is this guy? Mm. And I think there's some element of like, well, who's this guy? You know, like he wasn't our first choice. He might not have even been our second choice. But there is an element of sort of potential cult status here. Because he's got something about him. I really like his commitment. He's mm-hmm. an excellent ball winner. Like I've watched okay. a couple of games with him where I just I think he's really perfected the art of winning winning the ball back. Really, really love that. Um, and I think it's the type of player that will allow other players in the in the system, particularly someone like McAllister or Sobersly, to to be a little freer, knowing that he's sort of that safety net, as it were, um, in midfield. I don't, I know, you know, when new signings always have these YouTube reels that are like, look at these tricks and skills and dribbles and like, I get it. You know, you want to build hype and that's understandable, but I don't think this is the kind of player that you necessarily regularly expect to see him dribbling through three players in midfield. This is the kind of guy who wins the ball back consistently, is extremely committed, very strong in tackle, huge work ethic, like will work very, very hard, committed, really good player in midfield to like tidy up restart play, get things flowing and let your your creative players do the rest. Um, he plays with a mouth guard, which is why I think he's also going to become a bit of a cult hero. Like, you know, these like little things about players yeah. where you're like, oh, that's going to make him like a cult hero. Um, and at Stuttgart, you know, he, he played with one red and white because Stuttgart playing red and white. Mm-hmm. Um, he scored the goal, I think it was in 2022. He scored a last minute winner to keep Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. So like he is a guy for the big occasion. He's been captain of that team. He's captain of the Japanese team. So uh, the guy has a lot of positive traits. I think traits that will align with how Klopp wants to play football, the kind of people that he wants in his team, uh, you know, leadership traits, uh, commitment, good teammate, work ethic. That's really important. You mentioned the leadership thing because um, I've got some questions here for on Discord as well. And of course, John, you'll know we've lost two big players, um, two vocal players in mm. Hendo. Um, I just think he just pointed fingers and just shouted for the sake of it. And Milner, <laughs> who who you have now? So please enjoy yes. him. You're welcome because I love. You know what? You how can you not love James Milner? Um, but anyway, yeah. I've got a question here from Jesus on Toss, and he's like thinking about Milner and Hendo's characteristics. Is he much of a vocal presence on the pitch? And as Trev, one of our hosts, would say, how 
adaptive the to kicking someone up in the air when appropriate <laughs> i think you gotta allow someone a little bit of time to bed in he's he's you know i think he's a very vocal leader and stuck up but he's been there i want to say since 2019 so you know that's four years it takes time to become a leader in some settings uh it's also a question of language and he's had to learn different different languages there he speaks decent english as far as i understand so i'm not necessarily worried about that but also it's a completely different culture for him uh leaving leaving germany is one thing but leaving germany to go to england is, is another thing um and I think he's going to have to adjust a bit to that. But I do expect him to be the type of player that I think, I'll, just through performance, I, he's, he's, he's the kind of player I think that lets his leadership, at least to begin with, speak through his performances. And he leads by example. I was looking at some of his uh, some of his stats, and I think you know Liverpool fans should, you know, this might help what I was saying earlier, give some clarity. You're looking at FB Ref, which I quite like as a as a statistic website for for sort of player values because they have a lot of detail aerials one so aerial duels one and um clearances he's in the 95th percentile of midfielders in europe so like very few players can do what he does in terms of winning the ball in the air and clearing the ball and do it as well as he does and as often as he does and i think that gives you an indication of the type of sort of scrappy hard-working midfielder that he is because it's you know you ha- you often see players like that who try to win the ball back and try to lead and be vocal and do a lot of shouting and pointing like you said about Anderson, um, and often that you're sort of sitting in the middle level of 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 midfield ability. I think he in the last few years, yeah, okay, he's thirty, and some people might think that it's a lot to sort of think, oh, we'll go spend money on a thirty-year-old, but he's been getting better and better year after year. Uh, I think he came from the J League, went to Belgium, then to Germany, and he's and since he's been a Stuttgart, he's just got better and better each year. You know, most coaches, I think it was even when I was in Qatar, Hansi Flick went before Germany played Japan, talked mm. about him being one of the best midfielders in the Bundesliga. So there is a deep respect and recognition from coaches who know and have watched a lot of film on him, mm. and, and and see the stats and, and that I've just talked about, see it in practice. I think that there's recognition there that he's that kind of guy who's going to lead by doing that. And and if you're a teammate and you see a guy, you know, hustling constantly to win the ball back and pass it and pass it and set it up and do all of that work for you as a team, you're going to think, well, oh, I better, I better go put in my effort in here as well. Um, I think over time, there's a chance that he'll start to be more vocal. Absolutely. I don't think there's anything about him that suggests to me that he's sort of timid on the field of play. He's very competitive, but um I think you got to allow for some betting in period, especially when it comes to new team, new culture, new language. Right, well, that tees me up quite nicely because I've got two questions here that kind of follow on from what you've said. So RD here, just wanted to ask you what, what what's made of his leadership qualities. I've seen quotes knocking around by your favourite Mario Gomez talking about him. So, you know, players <laughs> that have played alongside him, you spoke about Flick there as well. I mean... You know what's been made of his leadership qualities, and I've got a question here from Omar. And you were, you know, you were kind of speaking about, you know, he's going to, you know, the bedding in period, mm. how how that's going to work for him. So, do, do you, John, personally, see him needing much time to adapt in the sense of the English league as well as Klopp's playing style, or is he someone that you believe that will be able to slot in immediately? Because we actually do kind of need somebody to kind of slot in immediately, because at the moment McAllister is playing the deepest. Yeah, 
Well, I will say, and I'm happy to admit this because I think people should always admit when they're wrong. Mm. Uh, we've done a couple of these shows before and uh, we did one on Loris Carrius and we did one on Navigator. And on both occasions, I said that I thought they would not need very long to bed in and become regulars. Uh, Loris Carrius's career was a little bit of a difficult one um, yes. because but he, he did actually, he was actually Liverpool's keeper for a bit. But um, yeah. I think there are other factors there. Naby Keita, I think, didn't bed in and then the injury kind of really deflated his development. Yeah, he'd, he'd have a rhythm and then he'd get injured. Mm. And it yeah. was, you know, nobody can put him down as a flop in a sense of his quality. I think people were just like very, very fed up with um, just how injury prone he was. Yeah. And I think that that's probably how people feel about Thiago now, because yeah. he's such a good player, but uh, is too irregularly available. And I think that's kind of the problem. Um, right. So with that in mind, uh, I do think that Endo could fit in quite quickly because uh, he's, as I said, he could be a very effective system player if Klopp says, like, I want you to be able to do these things. Uh, and if you do them really well, you free up other players. The other reason that I don't foresee any sort of potential issue is because he does have a very good injury record. Like, I can't recall a time since he's joined Stuttgart that he's been out for a very long time. So you're talking about nearly four years there where I, mm. I don't think that he's been out with a major injury um touch wood uh because I don't I don't think uh, that will speed up the process you know if he can regularly play if, if by December he's played like 15 games <laughs> 20 games like you're thinking great because it means that for the back half of the season he's going to be completely embedded so I think that the the injury or the lack of injury problems is a good thing because that will speed up him betting in and it just depends how you know you talk about Klopp's style I kind of thought that Klopp the Liverpool game against Chelsea was really interesting because I thought that there were two different styles on display there you know for a minute it looked like you were playing classic old Klopp Are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must have fan threads well over at our Anfield Index shop we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection from our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You know, super transition ball. Mm. And then the second half, it was like, oh, what happened to that Liverpool team? Um, so I don't, I don't know how he wants to play. Uh, I mean, Liverpool fans probably, you know, maybe you know more than I do. Mm. I, I, was felt, I felt a little bit confused by that opening, opening uh, day display. He's got, he's got Trent now playing a bit more of like a free role. Um, so where he's allowed to dip into the midfield, we play three at the back, which is really, really questionable because what it did was, and I'm sure you noticed it as well, was Robertson's side was really, really left exposed and he was yeah. quite isolated. Yeah. And I thought James and Sterling had a lot of joy on that side. Um, you could say Robertson, I think he's another one that in the future we're going to have to move on because he's played so many games that I think his legs are just basically gone. Mm. Um, you know, it happens. Um, uh, 
you could also contribute it to the fact that maybe he wasn't getting the help on the left hand side as well. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I don't think Diaz and Gakpo were helping him at all. I think having a DM or somebody that plays as a six will pop. You'll know this. McAllister will probably move on the left, and you're going to get more industry and more cover on that side. That yeah. could help Robbo. Um, three at the back as well is uh, something quite new under Jurgen Klopp as well. We experimented with it at the back of last season with Trent having more of a free role. It worked. It is working. Um, it's just... Um, but again, we were being played through the middle and that's because as great as McAllister was and I thought he did a really good job, I just felt like there were just big spaces because he was having to do a lot of cover on the left-hand side as well, which is why we need mm. a specialist in that position. So, yeah, Liverpool have kind of changed course a little and that's good because people do tend to figure you out. They exactly, are still yeah. pressing. Um, they are still doing things, but Trent is a bit more free. Um, the midfield, I really do like the midfield now. I love... I love um, Sublatsai. I think he does really well. McAllister's. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot more creativity in that midfield. And I think um, this is why the transfer window is so important now with the midfield because Klopp talked about a rebuild. And you'd initially think, oh God, he's just talking again because he's been doing a lot of that for you know many seasons. This mm. midfield has looked old and still for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And now he's been forced because, you know, we've had a mass exodus. Mm. And this guy, I just want to know now. Um, sorry, I completely forgot what you asked me. Here's me waffling um, oh, about Liverpool and how they play. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where it is. And I think that's where now a DM, uh, you know, a number six or even two, he might even change up and start playing two. You know, I mean, that's, uh, what, that's what teams used to play. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that 4-2-3-1 was like the coveted formation um i but it's rare to find two sixes these days that are good enough to to do it but i think if if you have McAllister and, and Sobosai in midfield whether they're wide or central I, and i would suggest based on brighton and argentina that McAllister is pretty devastatingly good through the middle yeah um but higher up the field like eight ten yes um if you have someone like Endo, you you it's basically just a great insurance blanket. You know, you just have a cover there. It's a safety net. And let's not forget, the guy's actually not bad in front of goal. He's pretty good in the air. And he does have, you know, again, referencing FB ref stats, like he does have quite high passes that lead to shots. So there is an, an ability there to sort of thread the pass that can lead to a chance. Um, so I, that's going to be really interesting because if he's in a midfield with creative players whose role is primarily to do that, then you could end up having someone who would even offer you even more. So as much as Liverpool fans may think that this is a, or it may well be a sort of uh, an option B or C in the window, given that all that's happened, um, it could be that this option B or C turns out to be a really effective cog in in the the Liverpool machine. Um, I just I think it's smart. Brings a lot of experience. He's had to work very hard to get to where he he was basically one of the the most underrated. Well, I don't say underrated, maybe underappreciated midfielders in the league. Because I think anybody who watches the Bundesliga would rate him. Um, but you know, at the beginning, you asked me of that question last time. You know, what what do other people think of him? Well, the current Stuttgart head coach. Let's not forget that they wanted to extend his contract not long ago because mm -hmm. it, it ended next summer. So they wanted to extend and they wanted him to finish his career there. And he, at the time, was calling him the face of the team uh, and a real fighter. Uh, and now, 
you know, faced with a sum of money, I think it's like 20, 25 million euros, uh, this kind of money that Stuttgart can't really say no to. Um, you're, you're losing the face of your team. But I also think from Liverpool's perspective, you're asking me, what do other people think of him? Well, if this guy is coming in four years, saved you from relegation, been absolutely the fulcrum of your midfield and your team, turned into your captain, and now you're calling him the face of your team a week before he leaves. I think that tells you a lot about the kind of character and player that you're getting. Incredible, incredible. Is it, that's kind of what we kind of wanted to get from you as well. And you spoke about just his leadership and him being the face of the team. Um, I've got another question here by Sandeep. And he, um, uh, his question to you is, um, <clears throat> you won't know this, but Liverpool are being linked around with other DMs as well. And check the mm. call from Crystal Palace is another one, for example. Do you see him, do you see Endor now c- coming into Liverpool? He's having his medical right now, so hopefully everything goes well there. You said he's not injury prone, hopefully he passes his medical. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my God, don't tempt. Don't, don't, yeah. yeah, right. So anyway, never invite um, me back if that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, a question from Sandeep is here is, um, will Endo make this position his own? Um, if, as reported, we're going to get the Curry, for example, or is he more of like a James Milner type that we're bringing in? Because you know we got him on a free. I thought it was smart business at the time. I thought we held on to him for a little too long. Mm. But you see, I think he can play a very amount of positions as well, Carney. And I think that's probably another thing that maybe Jurgen Klopp is looking at. Yeah, although I would say that he should absolutely only really play in in, in defensive midfield. Like he could he could play centre back, but I would I I wouldn't I wouldn't I think I, you know I he's best employed in in defensive midfield. I absolutely think that he can make the position his own at Liverpool. Uh, I if it we talked about it earlier. It depends what kind of system he wants to play. If he wants another six, if he wants another six, maybe he goes and buys one. He plays next to him. But I would also feel very comfortable setting up with Endo as my sole. Uh, my sole defensive midfielder in, in a formation. Um, I don't. I don't really foresee a situation where he wouldn't. He wouldn't be the kind of player that you could rely on. I mean, when people talk about him as a player and have described him through in the season, you know, reliable is uh, is one of the the most common terms associated with him. And if I look at him in a Stuttgart team, yeah, he's often playing with another with another six. Uh, because I think four two, I mean, you know, three five two uh, is is a formation that Stuttgart played um, a fair amount uh, last season. But um, he he can play he can play in that formation. He can be uh, the lone pivot in a four three three, or he could be even in central midfield in four three three. It's not it's not beyond the realms of. We have possibility this, you know, three, three, two, uh, four, three, two, one, uh, four, two, three, one could be even four, three, two, one. If you wanted to do like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. So he, he can definitely be whatever the way you want to set up and Stuttgart played a couple, a couple of those formations often with that sort of three, five, two. Um, he, he can be the pivot. He can be the guy. You can rely on it is what I'm saying. No, this is like music to my ears. And obviously, I'm just like going back to, you know, all the things that you've said about him and, you know, things that stand out. And I think what you've kind of mentioned here is what I really like about him. You said he's got a 
he's got a path, he's got a vision, and yeah. you know he'll. And I think that's really important now for the modern day defensive midfielder, right? Like that is really important. I think you know that whole, you know that Roy Keane esque kind of player that breaks a play. I think the games evolved from that, which is kind of sad for me because I did like that element of a defensive mm. midfielder that you know that just I take no nonsense kind of player. Yes. But, you know, I think this is really going to help Liverpool with terms of creativity as well. And it might. And if we've got like creative players like McAllister, like Sabatsalai, and then we've got Endo as well, who who's looking forward, who's looking about playing a pass. You Obviously, you watched the Chelsea game. You saw what um, uh, Enzo Fernandez was doing for them. Had mm. all the time to look up and see and get forward and get in, you know, get involved in the attacking side of the game. It's going to take a lot of pressure off our fullbacks as well because I've, you know, Definitely. I felt like that was we were very one-dimensional because there was actually no creativity in our midfield if Thiago wasn't playing. Mm, yeah, you will get that with him. You will get some creativity. Like I said, he has the ability to find the pass that leads to shots. I think he can be creative. And you're right, he has had this sense of a path. I think it's important to know that a player, or in this case, the person, has a clear understanding and a vision of what they want to achieve on and off the field. November last year, he gave an interview where he even said playing in England was on his mind. Last year, November. So I it's not been tapping him up before. Well, I don't know, but I think it's possible that you know he's been very honest about that, and he said, "Look, I'll be honest. England playing in England would you know has been on my mind. He wants to play in the Champions League, um, but I think he knows playing in England is huge. Mm. You know, the Premier League market is the market, and." I think it's interesting that that chance has come around. He was obviously very excited to get the opportunity at what feels like a little bit out of the blue. But I think it's encouraging to know that for a Liverpool fan's perspective, he has been thinking about playing in England for a while. So it's not like someone called him up this week and said, do you want to come to Liverpool? And it's the first time he's ever had to think about it. Mm. You know, like he's had to think, he's thought about it before. So it's not, and that, I know that sounds like a small thing, but that does absolutely speed up or help the betting in period because he's already done some visualization in his head about what that might look at, look like, yeah. whether it's Liverpool or somewhere else. So that's going to help. Um, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of midfield creativity, even from the six, he will provide that. And you won't need to necessarily always rely on Thiago now, um, especially because of his injury issues. You spoke about him being vocal and a leader. And as, as and you need that on the pitch. You definitely need that on the pitch. I mean, Virgil Van Dijk's our new captain. Now we, you know, we're quite a young each team and obviously this guy's got age on his side as well which is quite rare for Liverpool as well because I think that's another thing that really shocked me as well was his age profile. You know, Liverpool would never ever buy a 30-year-old midfielder. Like, it just would, you know, I think that's what raised a lot of eyebrows with Liverpool supporters as well. You said he's quite vocal. There's a fine line, John, between being vocal and getting the message across on the pitch and also, you know, like showing yourself on the pitch and, um, you know, I think being a bit of a nuisance. And um, I guess what I want to ask you, what's his disciplinary record like? Like, does he get into the book a bit? I mean, I don't. I, oh, that's a good question. I have to check that. I, I don't think he's the type of I mean, he does get the occasional yellow, but I don't think he's actually been sent off. I, I think he was sent off last season. Okay. I think he only got maybe a, a, a couple of yellows. Like I, he doesn't, does he's not the kind of player that, um, you know, picks up, picks up red cards. Um, I don't have the feeling, having watched him, that he would pick up a red and you'd sort of think like, oh yeah, uh, that's an issue, you know, like. 
I don't. I'm just looking now because you've mentioned it. I don't even think he's ever been sent off for Stuttgart, which would be wild um, because that's four seasons playing in the top flight. No, he hasn't. He hasn't ever been sent off for Stuttgart. He's picked up max five yellows in a season. So I think that, and that's that goes back to what I was saying. I mean, that kind of, without even realizing, it supports the evidence of what I was saying earlier. This guy is so good at winning the ball back because I think he also knows exactly the line and how far he can push it. You know, he's very physical. Yeah. Is he good in tight spaces, John? Like, is he good in tight spaces? Right, okay, that's good. Good But he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, like, I I was always amazed that he would win the ball back so quickly and cleanly. Sometimes it's a little bit more, you know, scrappy, but often it's like, oh, the minute the team has the ball, the next minute he has it, you're like, well, how did that happen? You know, he's, and that's why I think he knows the line between, you know, being competitively aggressive and being unnecessarily aggressive. And I, I don't think he ever really goes into the, the latter, to be honest. You spoke a lot about his quality. What what do you personally like about him? Like, what if you had to sell me, like, what is his biggest strength? Like, just, and has he got any weaknesses? I think, um, yeah, ball, ball retention or ball, yeah, ball winning. Um, he's also really, just, like, very good, very good in the air, very good at clearing the ball. Um I really like him as a player. Like when I watch him, I'm not a Stuttgart fan, obviously, but I love the fact that he is able to win the ball back so consistently and be so committed. But he's also so smart with it. He's very smart with winning the ball back. He's not, you know, he's not someone who rash. Um, I would say he—he he seems like does a very does it ball watch? Does it ball watch? No, no, he's a very intelligent player. I think he could improve his interceptions. I think the reason that his interceptions might be low is because he's so often like clearing the ball or winning the ball in the air or trying to block it um, or tackling. I, I mean, there's probably room to improve um, some of his interception play. Um, and yeah, we talked about it earlier. He's not a particularly progressive player in terms of taking the ball forward driving forward but that because and so he doesn't doesn't pass the ball very often in terms of like beyond a five ten yard pass in a small radius because that's not really his job um but so there's potential areas improvement there you maybe you could ask him to sort of push his um his carries going forward um a little higher or you could you could ask him to maybe be a little bit more better position to intercept but I mean I'm nitpicking because the guy is mm. really good in in the in the position that they've asked him to play you know and now you're starting to talk about traits that may also be applicable for different positions um and is you know he, he does have for a player who plays in that role like you yeah you could say he should be more progressive or should do more dribbling or he should take on more players and stuff but he's not he's not terrible at it it's not like he's you know woeful in those areas it's just that for Stuttgart he's been asked to do this role and I think he does it so well that those are the traits that are shining so brightly uh, and I'm actually very curious to see what Klopp does with him developmentally because just because he's 30 doesn't mean he can't become a better player or change you know I don't have any and it comes back to injuries like if he's 30 there's no reason you couldn't get a good four years out of him. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't foresee any, a situation where maybe he, he might even just retire after playing for Liverpool. Like I, I honestly think that there's a, a potential longevity here that may not be factored in because it's easy to dismiss a player being signed for this 30. Mm. But I actually think that he can be much more than a stopgap. 
Like he could be a very effective player for three or four years and then that's it. But how amazing would it be to sign a player that's effective for three or four years across, you know, in one of the most demanding positions and it's not going to cost you very much at all. So I'm excited about what he brings in terms of the role that he plays and the specific traits for that role, a.k.a. winning the ball in the air, winning the tackles, clearances, solid, tidying up defender. And I'm excited about what Liverpool and Klopp, specifically in the coaching staff, will do to enhance him as a midfielder or whether they'll say, you're just so good at this, just do this for us. That will be interesting to see. Yeah, and I think that's why I've not watched any YouTube clips of him because I didn't want to watch anything. I want to see him. I want him. I want to do the eye test, see yep. him in the in, in the Liverpool sit, you know setup because we all know this. YouTube just gives you the best bit. It's out of isolation. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. You know, you're not you getting the know. full context of what's going on. Exactly, and you never know. It's often the clips are like edited, so you never know whether the pass at the end of the clip led to something or whether there was a shot or whether it was a miss, you know, whether it ended up as a throw in or like, I think you're right. Everything on YouTube looks, looks better. And I understand the desire to build hype around. The and play, the music is dreadful. Oh yeah. I mean, that, I always watch on mute if I have to, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I never, I never watch them for the same reason because you want the eye test to be your own eye test, preferably live. Um, but if not, then on, on TV in a, in a live game and seeing how he adapts um, if you do, you know, Liverpool fans who don't want to wait that long, I totally get it. I would recommend watching Stuttgart games, like watching I full games, maybe hard to find, but watching games. Why scout in there? You can go on Y scout. Yeah, I suppose. Use Y yeah. scout. Exactly. And watch full Stuttgart games to see his play rather than reels, which will inevitably make him look like, you know, he's Messi and he's Vieira <laughs> all in one because <laughs> You know, like that is unfortunately the way that you can make any player look if if you if you cut and edit the right way. And that's not to say he doesn't have moments where that's possible. But every professional footballer at that level has moments where they look like they're excellent at everything uh, if you edit in isolation. But I think it would be better to just watch it, watch a couple of games, um, even just from last season. Uh, or just, yeah, like even watch the cup game. I mean, Stuttgart played. They've already played once this season. The first game of the season was the cup game. Um it was only last week. They won 4-0. He was captain. He scored. He played the full 90 minutes. Um, he played in a 4-2-3-1 uh, formation uh, as one of the holding, one of two holding midfielders. Boom. Like, you know, that's, that gives you, okay, you know, the opponents weren't very good. But if you just want to watch him and see what he does in terms of his positioning and how he moves around and stuff, that's a, that's a great opportunity to, to see what he's really like across the course of a 90 and the role that he plays rather than just, you know, snippets of his highlights. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. 
So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. There you go, Red. Um, uh, go and watch a bit of um, old tape on Stuttgart. Right, John, we're going to take a little break on this. I want to get your thoughts because um, on the Liverpool transfer, how how do you think Liverpool have done in terms of handling their business and affairs? I mean, like it's been quite a... I think the, the way Liverpool have been moving in this transfer window has been quite transparent by this one. Obviously, this came out of nowhere, but um, how have you found um, Liverpool, Klopp and... Um, the new sporting director um, in terms of how they've been handling this window? Because to me, as a Liverpool sport, it's been very out in the open and I don't like that. Yeah, I have to say that I think Liverpool, I mean, who is it for me to say? But from an outsider's perspective, I think it is a. it doesn't look great. Uh, given how much was hype around Bellingham, and I obviously don't know how much chance they ever had um, in, in the race because... By all accounts, Jude was always going to go to Real Madrid. But um, I think if you set your stall out early that he was the guy uh, and then he can't be the guy because you don't want to spend that much, but then you end up competing for the same real amount for a different guy, (laughs) it looks silly. Um, And it looks like you're not sure what you really want uh, or you're sort of scrambling a bit. I think losing out on Casado is... is I can understandably frustrating because he's a very good player, but also I think it's it's unusual for me to see Klopp talk about a player because I, I think he talked about him, right, at a press conference like he was he joining. Did. And and Klopp doesn't really do that unless it's happening. So I found that a bit shocking because it then didn't happen. And that's where I sort of think, well, what information has he been given to make him feel that that was so, like he was confident enough to say that? Um, because I'm sure he wasn't happy that that happened because Liverpool shouldn't be talking about players or, or that confident about players until it's all done and dusted. If there was I don't ever think, any I don't doubt. I think he was overly confident. I think what he said was, yes, everyone knows we're interested in the player. It's no lie. Um, it's no secret. And he did go on air and say that he was um, not happy that they're having to pay so much um, because obviously... Right. I th- You'll know this. He's dead against big transfer fees, but yeah, said it before, with, the, yeah. with the way the market is going, that you have to participate if you want yeah. to compete. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting that that he that Liverpool would have been put in that position, and you know, I uh, I would sort of think that if you were ever going to make a move like that, yeah, you can lose out on transfer deals. It happens sometimes, but. I wonder how it wasn't obvious during negotiations at any stage that the player wasn't hasn't stressed to them that he always wanted to join Chelsea. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he said other things. You know, there's a lot of information that we don't know. But if there was ever any hint that the player wanted that Moises Casado always wanted to join Chelsea, then I don't know why negotiations would even be possible or try. You know, if it was always that it was Chelsea or nothing, um, then I would have potentially just spent my time investing in a target who wanted to be here. So it feels like a bit of a difficult summer for Liverpool Mm. in terms of the way they've gone about business. But it's a difficult time to do it. Klopp is trying to rebuild. And like you mentioned, the market is absolutely crazy at the moment. Mm -hmm. To be competitive, you're having to spend more money than ever. And buying, you're, you're sort of 
not middle of the road that's wrong but you know suddenly 40 50 million has become a fairly average price yeah which is unbelievable mm-hmm. uh, at least in premier league circles and um that really makes it very difficult to start to shore up the kind of players that you want without spending obscene amounts of money and and given that chelsea are really spending a lot at the moment doing it in a in a different way uh it may it forces you to be more competitive but maybe Liverpool were just surprised by that, as other clubs undoubtedly were. But then I would say, you know, Arsenal, I think, had a very, very professional and, and successful summer. They were clear about the targets they wanted and they went out and they got them, you know. So maybe maybe Liverpool just didn't execute as well as they wanted on their plans or they weren't sure about what they wanted or they were a little too late or, you know, I know... I know um, there are other midfielders in the market that they could have gone for. You know, there were other players that went to bigger teams, like Ugarte, for example. Mm-hmm. Good player, really good yeah. player. That could have been PSG now, to... right? PSG, exactly. So yeah. maybe, maybe you know, if you're talking about Liverpool making headline signings in this position and not having to pivot to a, a Wataro Endo, so maybe there would have been more time to do that had there not been focus on one or two that maybe were unrealistic. I don't we, know. We were being linked to Corny, you know, from Gladbach, and yeah, I like him. Corny's I like good. him a lot. Yeah, Corny's good. I think there's potential there. Uh, could maybe do with one more season in the Bundesliga, but you know, you know what I love? I love the way he just slides into a tackle. He's an absolute unit, and I love yeah, that he's, he's got that old school look about him, which I personally love because I watched football in the nineties. Yes. Don't get me wrong; in the Premier League, he's going to get a red. Like you can see it all day, yes. every day. But I love it. Like yeah, I don't no. know. He's, he could be. He could definitely. I mean, he's twenty-two, so there's still some time on your side there. And maybe if he's not going to move, and I think Gladbach have been quite clear about the fact they don't necessarily want to sell him at the moment, but every club says that until the right amount of money is on the table. Yeah, every player's got a price. We every player has a price, especially now. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, you mentioned, uh, what was it, Czech Decore earlier? Uh, if, yeah. If I was Liverpool, I would rather sign Kone than Decore. Um, but I, I keep banging. As soon as we lost out to um, uh, Kaiseido, we lost out Kaiseido, and then we, like idiots, went back in for Lavia. Like, mm, we're not going to pay yes. your price. Oh, hang on, we're going to pay double for a guy that's better than you, which he is. Kaiseido is better than Lavia. You know, he's older yeah. as well. And then, oh, okay, we missed out on him. Oh, you know what? Now we're going to come back to it. Now, n- not, we're not only going to give 50, we're going to give 60. It is so embarrassing. Now, if you walked away from Lavia, you didn't think he was worth that much. The embarrassing part for me in the whole transfer window, I don't blame him for going in for Caicedo, John, because you right. know what? Um, they took a gamble and they like threw their money on the table and it was all agreed with um, Brighton. Um, mm. It looked like it was agreed with the player as well. And I think the agent, the player's agent, um, mm. decided that he wanted a big payout. It right. happens. Yeah, and, it does. Yeah, it does happen. And obviously was getting a better deal, um, better wages with Chelsea as well. And obviously he's been talking to him as well. So gentleman's agreement, whatever. Sure. Um, but for me, the embarrassing part was they went back in for Lavia. Like that was the, like you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also at that point, like you said, it's embarrassing to go back. I, I mean, I get the hype around Lavia is, but I always say, you know, he's 19, he's played, what, 30 games, right? So maybe we pause the breaks there. And if your other targets are, you know, Czech Decore, who was, what, Crystal Palace's player of the year in his first year, mm. um, he's played a lot more. He's played, okay, 30 games for Palace, but he played 100, over 100 games for long before that. Um, 
Same with Kone. You know, he played 50 games in Liga and now he's played nearly 60 games for Gladbach. So he got a bit more experience. Yeah, they're a bit older, so it's only natural. But yeah, I think you. that's what I'd be more... It's tempting. I think you'd have to pay more for Decore because it's Premier League. Yeah. The Bundesliga would make you pay more because they would say Premier League tax and you probably have to Absolutely. pay 40, 50 million because <laughs> Bundesliga clubs are like, we know you have the money. Yeah. But I honestly think that you'd have to pay more for Decore because it's inside a Premier League team move. Like... My favorite example of this is Harvey Barnes joining Newcastle from Leicester for 50 million, right? Like, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, yeah, no and then Harvey Newcastle gets Canali for like 50 million, and yeah. you know what a what a player he is. What um, a player he is, yeah. That's yeah. What, so. If I was Liverpool, I would if I, and I did want another six. I I think I'd be more tempted by him um, by Kone. Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad we're on the same page because I, <laughs> I mean I. To be fair, whoever Liverpool get, I'll get behind. But as soon as yeah, as soon as the whole Caicedo and Lavi thing happened, I was in our WhatsApp group, so um, um, and I was just like, right, we need to go, we need to move fast, and we need to go in for Corning now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's we've only got like a fortnight left for this transfer. Exactly, so, not long left. Yeah, long. and so we've established on Liverpool have been moving a bit stupid in this transfer window. What do you make of our current sporting director? Um, uh, came out of retirement to work with Jurgen Klopp. There's a lot of talk about him that he's a bit vocal. He doesn't take, you know, he's a bit brash. Um, he'll fight his corner. We're like, oh, Liverpool could certainly do with this because I think last season Klopp has had a bit too much of an influence mm. on the transfers. And when I think when he came from Germany, he said, I don't want any of that. I just want to coach. And we like that because you stick to what you're very good at. And I feel like he's been getting more and more power. I don't know if that's the owners giving him power or him demanding it. But Edwards left, um, Ward left, and now obviously we're left with George Schumacher. And um, I want to get your thoughts in terms of what do you make of him as a sporting director? And it is actually a question from one of our subscribers who is called McAllister. Sorry. Oh, just the, the pain continues. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I was very surprised. I think that Jörg Schmacker has not been at his best for five, five six years. Mm. Um, I think he did his best work at um, Alemania Aachen in 2000 and somewhere in 2008, maybe 2005, yeah, 2005. Um, and then did great work with Hanover in a, in a stretch in, in uh, 2000 and. 11-ish they, I mean they, he got them to play in the UEFA Cup uh, and I think there was a period where you know he, he'd signed some really good players and, and he'd done really well there and he did he did do reasonably well at Cologne as well you know up until 2017 where he provided them stability and he, he got them or he helped play a role in their promotion back into the Bundesliga and, and sort of improve their, their financial role their, their status and I think he I think at that point he'd, he'd done pretty well. I think the thing that sort of gets me is that he didn't do a particularly good job at Wolfsburg and he was mm-hmm. there for five years. And I don't really, I don't really understand why someone at that point, uh, at that age, um, would be, would, you know, would be the person that Liverpool would talk to. And that's not to suggest that someone at 59 doesn't have experience and isn't valuable. They absolutely can be. But I feel like his career trajectory was in the wrong direction for Liverpool. And um, maybe it was a German thing. Maybe, you know, Klopp wanted someone 
Apparently they're friends, aren't they? Yeah, you know, and also there's, you know, if they're friends, that that plays a big role and language and, you know, they both probably have very similar contacts and a network in Germany. Mm. And obviously, you know, helps make an assigning like Wataro Endo, having someone who knows the Bundesliga pretty well, absolutely. But I don't know. I, I see it. I mean, I was very, like I said, I'm very surprised that he got the job. Yeah. I don't foresee him being a... Uh, a long-standing member of Liverpool's future. I don't think he is, John. I think I he's really a stopgap. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's definitely a stopgap. And, and he, he, um, you've got like, to wait, wait for someone who fits the profile more. And I and if he was, if he's okay being a stopgap, or they knew he was a stopgap, then okay. But yeah, I'm just a bit surprised because I don't, I don't think he's been doing his best work. I, I, let's just say this his best work is a long time ago and I think if someone's best work is a long time ago and that hasn't improved then you need to ask questions mm. um, and maybe that wasn't necessarily Liverpool's priority they just needed someone with experience to hold down a couple of windows if that was the case okay but even then you know I think there are much better sporting directors out there and it depends what you want them to do right like well, I've got a question here from Sean Gadu actually Sean underscore Gadu and he goes following on um would he have thought um who who would like Bundesliga, right? You know, they're great at picking up these young potential talents. I think they've well run clubs in general. Is there a potential sporting director from the Bundesliga that you think maybe Liverpool should look at? Because you spoke about um, Jorg there and that like, I always thought he's a bit old school as well. Like 59, his best years are behind him. Is there anybody like young, up and coming, somebody that's, you know, doing things well? I don't know. I mean, it's tricky. Um I think that you have to figure out what it is that you want that person to do um, because there are so many different roles now in a modern football club. Like, is someone there just to do transfers? Is someone there to do um, squad management? You know, what what is the role of the sporting director? Are they there to do um, ambassadorial work for the club? Are the media... Well, I think what we want work? is... I think we want, you want a massive like for the squad. We want like a Michael Edwards type. And Michael Edwards right. was, first of all, a very private man who got Liverpool mm. the best deals and was really, really good at negotiating. I think it's just about getting things over the line because in the past we've had the likes of Ian Air who is still figuring out a deal for Conor Plianka right now mm. as we speak. Mm. I think they just want someone who's efficient, who's quick and um, is really, really good on the negotiating table. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, if you're talking about... That's what I want anyway. Sorry, I'm just speaking <laughs> on behalf of you. But... I love that. Oh, what's someone who's good on the negotiating table? Says Nina Kauza, uh, aka Liverpool. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I think if you're talking about someone who I'm personally impressed with, I don't know whether it would be the right person for Liverpool, but I'm really impressed with Simon Rolfes at Leverkusen. Um, he has come into the role and I think if you look at the way that Leverkusen have made pretty astute sounding signings in in recent years I mean he's been the title of his role has changed but he's been sporting director I think since 2018 but he's got much better much better is maybe the wrong way to put it but he's really improved in recent years in terms of his recruitment and for a club like Leverkusen who regularly lose players to Aston Villa for example take Moussa Diaby or Leon Bailey or you know, players who play really well for two seasons, Kai Havertz, Julian Brandt, um, they have done well at finding replacements. 
that will then potentially not just play well for them, but then also be the next, you know, payday. So, and he's 41. I think he's really grown into his role. He gets the big picture. Um, I, I, I kind of, I think he's got pretty good potential to probably move on himself. Um, I don't know whether he is the type of person to do that, but um, yeah, he was a pretty committed player in the day. And if you had to ask me who I was most impressed with, then it would absolutely be him. But it's it's an interesting time in this point right to landscape generally in Germany because um, Sebastian Kehl has been in the role for a couple of years at Borussia Dortmund after um, Michel, Michael Zork was there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, Hassan Salihamidzic got unceremoniously booted out at Bayern Munich. Deserved um, it, despite them winning the Bundesliga. Yeah, honestly, he did. Uh, he did it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was <laughs> a bad situation. But they recently appointed um, someone who's going to start, I think, in September. So you know, not long from now, um, Christoph Freund, who is like, you know, I didn't know much about him before, but he's obviously done great work with Red Bull Salzburg. And I think what's interesting is that the Red Bull model yeah. is becoming an increasingly common source of preference when people look at your CV. So mm. if you have been a sporting director, you've been a scout, you've been a coach, uh, you've been a developmental phase academy coach, whatever it is, if you have worked inside that environment, I think people tend to think that that's kind of a good thing because you know a very intense transition type of football. It's been, it's a very clear football philosophy. Um, and also because it doesn't have the shackles of history, like, like a club like Liverpool, for example, which has obviously Mm -hmm. decades of history that can be a good thing, obviously, and also a bad thing because people love talking about the team of 2005 or the team of, you know, whatever it was, 1980. Um, you know, you don't have that because Red Bull teams have, don't they don't so you're free of that which gives you more freedom to be innovative and, and operate yeah. in these spaces so so it can be really advantageous and people can see it as a positive and i think it's kind of it, it's insightful that Bayern munich have turned to someone from that system to to lead them going forward so maybe that's something that liverpool want to look at uh but if i if you're asking me like i said i think someone i've been really impressed with in recent years particularly this summer simon rolf has set um at Leverkus. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. 
Cool. Okay. So, you know, now the Reds are going to be all over that one. But I've got <laughs> one final question here from Sandeep, and he wants to get your thoughts on, is this the possible end of line for Klopp, or can he reset and go back to what he had? Um, does Joe need to go back into retirement? Yep, you've already answered that. Yep, you're not really thrilled with him. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about Jurgen Klopp. When, when he was announced, and I remember you saying this to me, and it kind of was the buzz thing on Nina Calder's show last year when you said Klopp is going to break these players and the mm. players looked so broken last season. Mm. Klopp, um, a lot of people were comparing his last season at Liverpool to his very, very last one at Borussia Dortmund. Yes. making those comparisons. Yes. So I want to get your thoughts. I think, and this was hailed as the big transfer or, or yeah the big transfer for Jurgen Klopp you know reset he also called it in the press conference Liverpool reloaded mm. so there's big big um, pressure I think you know this is the season where Klopp has to get it right I felt like last season was a bit of um, a humbling for him and I think he needed it um, so well I mean, do you think Klopp can kick on from this? or do you, And if fit, fit, I mean, I hope this doesn't happen, but just imagine things don't go great for Jurgen Klopp on this Liverpool side and they start looking a bit, you know, mid-table-ish, um, you know, come Christmas. You will get some people who will be like, well, he needs to go. I mean, would you say that's fair? Do you think that's fair? Does Klopp get sacked or is he... Will he be given the time to walk by himself? Do you see him walking himself? I think he. I think everything that he's done for this football club, I think he deserves the right to decide when he goes. Yeah, I would never. I wouldn't sack him. I'll be honest with you. I, I think he gets. I think he gets at least another season. I, I think, would not get rid of him mid-season. No, I think it would be. I think it would not. I don't think it would reflect well on Liverpool if they were to sack a man that. Has done so much. I'm not trying to be, you know, a person who's overly sentimental because I think. No, I agree with you. I think it'd be disgusting. But I think for what he's done, um, you know, it would be a, it would be a big problem. Um, I, I, it's really difficult because I absolutely agree with the people who said last season had all the hallmarks of Dortmund's last season. It really did. Mm. You know, it felt a lot like the end. There were so many signs that I thought, okay, this is it. Well, your team did us over twice, pretty much. We were looking to get a draw against you, and then you actually <laughs> embarrassed us. I, I think listeners should know as well. I didn't even message him to congratulate him. I was like, <laughs> I'm so bitter. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think I think it's so difficult, but I because I really do think that last season felt like the moment where. There was a, a, a changing, and and what was so interesting, I think, as well, even the end of Dortmund season last season, his last season at Dortmund, they, they had this sort of surge to finish, I think, just to get into Europe in the Europa League, I think, for the following year. Yeah, and it was this, it was the same, um, it was the same, uh, it was the same uh, for Liverpool, right? Like, you you had a decent finish, right? I think you you went the last whatever it was, 10, 15 games unbeaten, right? Like yeah. you you had that decent push where you smashed Leeds and just edged out Tottenham. And and yeah, like that. So you sort of feel like, oh, there's this sense of, you know, um, it's okay. We're, 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 we've steadied the ship. Um, look, I have so much time for him. I think he's one of the best coaches ever. Um, I think he's anyone who can do what he's done at three completely different clubs. Yeah. Uh, it deserves so much credit. 
I think the fact that he's come back and called it reloaded, I think he's probably reloaded. He looks re-energized. I think he looked very drained last season. Oh, gosh, yes. I think it was a draining season. Yes. <laughs> um, there's no doubt about that, especially that stretch that I think after the win against United probably turned the season, right? The the, the Bournemouth, Madrid, City, like those three games, that felt yeah. quite decisive. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you know, football, we've talked about it before. You've said it as well. It, it, it's advancing and evolves so quickly. The, that year that you won the league, you know, feels like, so long ago already um and it because it's so hard but you you've got to i think it's always important with Klopp to remember that he's been in charge of the liverpool side at the time that manchester city have effectively had a monopoly on the premier league Mm -hmm. people don't like to talk about the premier league being one-sided they love to talk about other leagues being so boring and look as someone who's been following the bundesliga for over a decade i know trust me when the same team wins the title all the time it is difficult but if we're being honest you know, if it weren't for Liverpool, we could absolutely say the same thing about the Premier League in the last five, six years. So Liverpool breaking that was important. And the only reason they didn't win on another occasion was because Man City had like a record breaking season. Right. So um, he's done so much for, for the club. I think he deserves a little bit more time. I don't think it's going to be a you know an Arsene Wenger, Arsenal situation where he stays forever and sours the mm. grapes and all of that I don't I think he knows and can read the room uh, maybe better than Arsene did at the time but uh, I think you're absolutely right that this season is a huge season for shaping up how how much of the rest of his contract he runs down because I think if you finish top four and you make the quarters or the semi-finals in um, in Europe you can say that it was a move in the right direction but you have bought a lot of players and there is a lot of talent in this team, especially now with McAllister and Sobosai. You've had Nunez betting in for a year. Um, Diaz is back. You know, Yota's back. There's a lot of stuff like that feels positive. Um, and you sort of think, all right, we're ready to go. You know, like you said, like he said, reloaded, right? Mm. We are. Feel it. So, yeah. Let's let's go. Let's let's give it a go. And I think Liverpool absolutely shouldn't be thinking about sacking him if things don't look good by December. Like if at the end of the season, I think you just have a chat with him and say, "Look, Jurgen, you, know, you got what is it? Two more years on the deal. How do you feel about the season? Do you feel like you need more time, or, or you know, because it's been pretty disappointing?" And I think he's the type of person that would not say, "Oh, I need another three years." You know, he'd say, "Okay, I'm out." You know. This is it. I, I recognise I'm not the person to coach this team anymore. That's what he said when he left Dortmund. Yeah. yeah. He knows when he's not the person anymore. Yeah. And I think if he tries, because this is what, what, how many rebuilds will this have been at Liverpool? How many times has he rebuilt this team? Well, he took over from flipping Brendan Rodgers, didn't he? And then he had that rebuild. This is like his second one now because he right. let it get stale. Right, exactly. So he's primarily responsible for the first, the, the, yeah, that group getting stale and staying too long. Right. So now he has to prove that. He Which is a good thing, John, because I felt like some of those players leaving were his clutch. Yeah. Henderson's and yep. Milner's. No matter how bad they played, they would always make the starting eleven. Which, you know, to the amusement of 
I'm going to say a right-thinking Liverpool supporter because obviously mm. they've got their fans as well. Nothing against Milner. You, it's not his fault that Klopp decides to play a 37-year-old at, you know, at every given opportunity that he could. But Henson has been awful for quite some time. Yeah. He doesn't have those players to rely on. He's also, you always say, Klopp philosophy players run through walls for him. After a bit, those speeches get really boring. They do. He's got, he's, of course, I, I think you, know, you stop responding to them. Yep. He's got fresh blood in, which will inspire. And it's in the middle of the park, which is really, really important. You know, mm-hmm. as cliche as it sounds, games are won and lost in the midfield. So yep. if he's got a brand new midfield, it kind of, it, it's taken him out of a comfort zone as well. So I think everyone responds really well to this. Also, another thing to factor in, I think, John, as well, you'll know Flick's not doing so great for Germany. Yeah. I think they are and he will potentially one day become Germany manager like he is going to be the national coach I can see that I can't can you not no because I think he needs a day to day and I think he'd be too bored of like four <laughs> months without football I honestly you know him I think he loves Tuesday training Wednesday training Saturday game I think he loves it to be it. fair when he took the Liverpool job it was international week and he's watching the kids play I think he knows that that time yeah. is important for him and I also think that he strikes me as the kind of guy that once he's done with Liverpool, I think he just does live the rest of his life. I think he walks away from football and maybe he does some media stuff, but I don't think he wants the Germany job, especially now. There's a whole other podcast to be done on like why. Is it really, really toxic? It's a toxic job. It's a tainted chalice. It's a really difficult space. The team is underperforming. The team is lacking quality. The next generation isn't exactly, you know, Mm. exciting there are structural issues at the german fa the youth program isn't exactly on target there are big changes that are being made to try and improve the type of players being produced it it would be a i think he knows all of that and as i think he doesn't want to walk into it it would be a very difficult job and you know let's not let's not forget that if flick doesn't win in the two friendlies coming up he's out oh. i'm sure of it you know next year is a home european championship you they lost against Colombia. I watched it, and they're in disarray to a certain degree. He's tried a few things out. So, all in all, I don't think the Klopp's going to take Germany job. I just think he has to. You said it. You know, he's got new blood in. The speeches maybe take a renewed effect on new players. It is down to, it's down to the effectiveness of that communication and the the, the effectiveness of the new players. And I think it's only fair to say then that if this doesn't work by the end of the season there isn't a tangible sort of visual improvement step towards the next reloaded Liverpool 2.0 3.0 whatever it is then you can have a sit down conversation with him and he may well be the person that says okay guys I, th- I mean I think he is I'm done I- yeah. I'm done because yeah. he knows it he wouldn't want to sour his record there's nothing worse than staying too long in a place that you were great in yeah. and um, uh, but I think he knows that this season's in, uh, really it, important for that because if he gets it right and Endo being this kind of player right if he comes in and Endo's brilliant he frees up McAllister and Sobosai goes off and scores 15 goals from midfield and Diaz is like a new signing then you're like you know maybe the defence gets a second wind suddenly the team looks better than ever you make a couple of players you've signed a couple of players in January or next summer and you feel positive about the direction and he gets another year and then you're one year away from 26 and it's like yeah and then he is definitely done and it's fine because at least he's leaving the team in a decent direction. Maybe you win an FA Cup. Everything feels great. Now's the time to leave. Wonderful, right? Like, it's all there. It's all there for him. And the but club can prepare for life after him Exactly. Because well, they should be doing that now. Yeah. 
they should be doing that now. They should be doing that now, potentially with him, but also if not, if he doesn't want to do that conversation, which I understand why he wouldn't, then they should be doing it quietly because it's the end of an era and you only need to look at the German national team and there are other teams that could reference uh, to be to see examples of how not preparing for life after success, success will leave you stagnant for years to come. And, you know, it's going to be a huge shock to the Liverpool atmosphere um, and, and sort of, you know, Liverpool's solar system, as it were, when he leaves, because he's absolutely become the heartbeat of the football club. And that's fine, because that's who he is. But then you have to prepare for all the changes that will come after that. And then the next manager and the new culture and the new environment that that's going to bring, you've got to, you've got to be ready for it. So, but you know what? That's all future music. It's uh, now is the time to focus on uh, new signings and, and positivity going into the new season. I think Endo does a great job. I think he'll be great for Liverpool. Um, and you know what? Maybe a couple more signings and uh, the squad starts to look really great. But um, in terms of this one, very good work. There you go. Um, it's got the John Harding seal of approval. I am 100% sold now, John. You did. You, you, maybe you should be Liverpool Sporting Director. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll be free. I'll be free next summer. Give me a call. Yeah. Uh, no, John, thank you so much for that. I really appreciated it. I'm sure the listeners did as well. Um, Lots of insight as always. It's great to talk to you. Before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to plug and where can listeners find you on social uh, media? JohnBlog66 on mm-hmm. uh, Twitter and Instagram. Nothing to plug. Grateful for the, the chance to chat. Always enjoy it, Nina. And um, best of luck for the season. I hope you do well, but not better than us. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, then you'd have to win the league. and Oof, I would take it if that happened. <laughs> I might never follow football again. Hey, <laughs> John, we might, actually, we might actually make a Europa League final. I mean, can you imagine? We'd have to go watch it together. I'm just so excited about the random European cities that I'm going to be visiting this uh, this autumn. <laughs> well, you know what? Enjoy it because, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think you'll be a quiet little... Um, I think you'll surprise a lot of people. Hopefully you get your business right as well. Look at us. We're so cordial on this podcast. We're so <laughs> like good to each other. But yeah, all the best with that. But guys, do give John a follow. Um, insight on Bundesliga is top notch. So yeah, give him a follow. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your questions. That's me hopefully done for the podcast for a bit. If not, you might hear from me again. Who knows? But for now, thank you. Take care and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.